Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What's up, Dolphins? And welcome into the Wednesday, August the 22nd edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield. And I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, the Dolphins are back at it on the practice field. We'll get you caught up on all the injuries and all the goings on in Davie. Plus, an opinion on Robert Quinn in for Indomitian Sioux, a surprising rushing statistic for the Dolphins, and your questions via the Twitter mailbag. But first, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. That's how the podcast is judged. iTunes Top 200. And the higher we get up that list, the more Dolphins fans we go out to. So that is greatly appreciated for all you guys that have done so. Give me a follow on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. And of course, check out the number one blog in the Locked On Network, LockedOnDolphins.com, for all your daily Dolphins content needs. And last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts. For you NBA fans, the Locked On Heat and Locked On Magic podcasts and the Locked On NFL podcast that has been completely redone and reshaped with guests every single day from ESPN and other major outlets. So check that stuff out. But let's go ahead and get right into the injury reports. All right, Miami! And today, Jim Mandich takes us into the practice report, talking about injured players, who is back, who is still down and not practicing. The first one, the biggest news of the day, Kenny Stills back at practice, a full go. And that's a very good sign for this offense because this offense is going to rely upon the depth of the wide receiver crew. You have 160 targets from Jarvis Landry that have to be replaced, and Kenny Stills, Jakeem Grant, Albert Wilson, Danny Amendola, all of these guys have to stay healthy to fill out that ball distribution offense we keep talking about all offseason. And not to continue to pile on Devontae Parker here, but I could honestly take him or leave him at this point. He's just a bonus. Any production you get out of Parker at this point, to me, is a bonus for the season. A new member of the injured list of the same crew we get every single day has been added. Trey Elston is new to that list. He is not participating in practice. Kalen Balaj, the running back from Arizona State, he was out there in shorts, but because of his presence in the concussion protocol, was not able to practice. Nor did Marquise Gray. He was out as well. And then the usual suspects you guys are used to at this point, Will Hayes, Jake Brendel, Mike Hole, all absent from Tuesday's practice as well. And that's it for the injury report, but we have some notes and nuggets to get to from Tuesday's Dolphins practice, and we'll do that right now. That's another Miami Dolphins. So the first note of note, so to speak, is that Mike Martz was in attendance for practice on Tuesday with the Miami Dolphins. And if you'll recall, Mike Martz was Adam Gaze's original mentor. He was the originator of this complex offense back with the greatest show on turf. Adam Gaze met Mike Martz in Detroit where Gaze's first professional football job was. And I really hope that Martz was able to drop some input about what he's seeing at practice because I think this offense, in at least in theory, should be closer than the one we've seen in the past few years to Mike March's offense that Adam Gaze kind of took and adapted and made his own. Because as you'll recall, last year, there was a story about Mike March having one of those famous late-night conversations with Adam Gaze, who stays up till 4 o'clock in the morning texting people like a crazy person. But he was talking to Mike March, and 
Adam Gate or Mike Martz said that this is not the offense that you're running. This is not my offense that you're running. What are you even doing with this group? And there was obviously a, a myriad of reasons of why they couldn't execute the offense in the proper way. And of course, if you're ever on Twitter, you get just as tired as I do of the same vitriol regarding the play calling and obviously Ryan Tannehill as well. But if you think this offense is some run-of-the-mill, not-up-to-snuff, ragtag shit show, you simply don't know what you're talking about because this system has evolved from some of the finest lineage the NFL has to offer. And I think having Martz's input live and in practice where you can practically apply with an in-person visit could be invaluable to this group. So Mike Martz being there, a very good plus. Other notes and nuggets from practice, more pluses on this podcast as you're one to expect. Joe Shad tweeted out about how he believes that Robert Quinn is one of the moves the Dolphins have made that they actually got right. And he's obviously referring to Mario Williams or even Jason Jones or Donnell Ellerby or Philip Wheeler. The list goes on and on and on with all these bust free agent signings or trades. And we covered the Indomitian Sioux comments from the Instagram story on yesterday's podcast talking about that run up the gut. And we also always talk about relocating or reallocating resources to the correct positions or more premier positions in the NFL, ones that have a greater impact on wins and losses. And I think this was a case where they got it right. And we talked about how the Dolphins were a bottom 10 run defense every year and Dominican Sue was here in Miami. And in that Carolina game last year, specifically on Monday night, they allowed nearly 300 rushing yards, and that came with Dominican Sue playing 81% of the snaps. And while Robert Quinn's two sacks on Friday night against that same Carolina team came against one of the worst tackles in the NFL and Matt Khalil, who how he still has a job is beyond me, but nonetheless... That's something you have to do. You have to exploit the matchups that you have good opportunities to make plays against and abuse those bad tackles. And I was so damn impressed with his ability to flatten the edge. We know he has that quick burst and quick get off, but his unnatural lean that he can get around that edge and bend, it was so rare and so cool to see on Friday night because hopefully he can create opportunities where they have to chip and deal with him. And then you free up Cam Wake, who's an even better pass rusher. So awesome to see. They've talked about that ability to bend a lot and we saw it on Friday night in spades. So very, very good to see. You reallocate $17 million to an edge rusher that is worth about $11.5 million according to his contract. And you might still suck against the run just like you did last year, but at least you've got a closer in Robert Quinn who can come in and close out games and get third down stops at a much reduced cost to what you were paying to Indomitian Sioux. So shifting gears here to the offensive side of the football now and the other side of the running game, the Dolphins are averaging 5.2 yards per rush this preseason. That is tops in the National Football League. A crazy stat to me. Sure, the starting offensive line has only played 39 snaps together in the two games so far, but it's a positive sign given the fact that this offensive line in general, which obviously matriculates its way down to the second team and to the third team, was not built to dominate in the run game. This is a pass protection offensive line, a line that wants to play in the modern NFL, the passing NFL, and doesn't really have a group of maulers up front, but Kenyon Drake obviously being the absolute stud that he is certainly helps. And the quarterback getting them into the right play and some much improved blocking on the edges as well as downfield is a big difference and it's having a tangible difference in the statistics the Dolphins are posting. Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant, they like to block on the edge. Durham Smythe looked fantastic on that big Kenyon Drake run and a parking cone would have been a better blocker than what Julius Thomas was on the edge in that regard. So I think the Dolphins, even with Mike Gesicki, obviously Durham Smythe and Marquise Gray offer much more in that department. You get a big, big upgrade in that area. 
All right, we are going to get into the Twitter mailbag in the next segment, but first, a word from our newest sponsor. If you guys are not familiar with The Athletic already, you should be. We have a big announcement for today that there are some national writers being moved over to The Athletic. Those names are Jay Glazer, Dane Burgler, Lindsey Jones, and Ross Tucker all migrating over to The Athletic. Big-time announcements, big-time news for them. And if you guys didn't hear the show yesterday... The Athletic has made its way to Miami. That's right. The Athletic Miami is up and running, and you can get a special promo discount on your first-year subscription for just $2.99 a month when you use theathletic.com slash LockedOnDolphins promo code. The Athletic is a subscription-based publisher of the smartest sports coverage for diehard fans. Their model is simple. No ads, no pop-ups, and no autoplay videos. Instead, Readers subscribe for authentic, in-depth coverage written by journalists who know their teams inside and out. Coverage will go beyond game recaps, beyond trade speculation, and provide smarter analysis and deeper perspective about teams and the league itself. Subscribers have access to local as well as national content with more than 650 to 700 news stories published every single week across all sports. Subscribe and be a part of the future of journalism that is The Athletic, now in Miami, and save on your order 40% by using theathletic.com slash LockedOnDolphins. Rolling into segment number two and one of my favorite segments we do here every single week on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your host Travis Wingfield at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins is of course the Twitter mailbag and you guys provide fantastic content every single time I put the call out on Twitter. You guys know the drill by now. I ask for questions on Twitter. You post a question. I answer on the podcast and give you a Twitter handle shout out. Let's go ahead and start with the very first one here from our good friends at the Fins Fans Pod. That's Fins Up, Fans Down at Fins Fans Pod. Likelihood of Albert Wilson taking the majority of DVP snaps by the time the season is over. 100% in my opinion. I don't think this staff really likens themselves to Devontae Parker. They obviously have a big crush on what Albert Wilson is and what he does and an affinity for his game. And they showed that by the contract they gave him. And it's so readily apparent, man. Just You just watch the difference in the way these guys work and the way these guys play. Albert Wilson's a better player than Devontae Parker. So if it's not that way, we have a serious problem with the coaching staff. Next question comes from Mark Wardlaw at Mark Wardlaw on Twitter. Who is the best Dolphins wide receiver as far as fantasy goes? I'm going to stick with Kenny Stills. I just think he has the big playability. So many touchdowns from so far away. And this quick strike offense that wants to lure teams to sleep. Kenny Stills working out of that slot. No Jarvis Landry to worry about for him taking those reps away either. So those deep overs, deep posts, those crossers from the slot that he does so well, he can catch those and make some big time plays. So he's going to have a huge average and a lot of touchdown catches this year. So Kenny Stills, best fantasy wideout. Next question comes from Mark Manor at Easterly1. Can you break down the Wilson drop in the second quarter where Wilson dropped the quick hitter? Looked like it might have gone to the house, but I only had the TV view, the middle play. Yeah, the screen he's talking about. That screen pass that it looked like Tannehill might have thrown him back into the coverage a little bit. I think he had a mistake in that essence in terms of the location of the football. But yeah, Albert Wilson has to catch that ball. And like you said, I couldn't really see the angle for who was back behind him like a safety because we only had the broadcast version, no all 22 for preseason games. So I can't break that down quite as well as I'd like to. But come this season, I'll be able to get better breakdowns on the entire play for you guys. But yeah, I think it was a drop pass and a poorly located football on that pass as well. Next question comes from Eric Borrego at Eric61405. Which low-key player has the biggest chance of becoming great to elite? 
I'm going to stick with the same theme I've been beating all offseason, and that's Jakeem Grant. The guy is just, he was a sixth-round draft pick. He only got one pass target his rookie year. He waited until December last year to really kind of come onto the scene, but he has that game-breaking ability. The guy can, like, windmill dunk a basketball at five foot six. We saw him moss Malcolm Butler in the end zone. We've seen him run through three tackles on a screen pass for a 60-yard score. He just has that big play ability, and that speed does not slump. That quickness does not slump. He's just a, a dog. He fights. He works hard. I think he could really become one of those specialty types of players that is really a focal point of the offense. Next question comes from Greg Larson at GSL Now. I think the offense looks good moving the ball. The end zone issues can be fixed. I think he meant red zone issues. What issues do you think can be fixed without having to bring a player come cut down time or can all issues be fixed before week one? Yeah, I think it's all in-house, man. It's all going to be dealt with domestically rather than bringing on someone else. And if you do bring on someone else, it's going to be more of like a role player. They're going to get Mike Kosicki more acclimated in the red zone. They're not going to not throw him passes in the red zone like we've seen so far. And the one pass they did, he put a fantastic move on the defensive back and got wide open, but David Fales missed him. I think that play calling, play design, creating touchdown opportunities down inside the 10-yard line has been one of Adam Gaze's strongest points of his entire career. He did it with Peyton Manning. He did it with Jay Cutler. He did it with Ryan Tannehill. I think there's no reason to think he won't continue to do that so all in-house all's going to be okay just relax and don't worry too much about the preseason next question comes from Hugh Jazz at Dustin Can do you think Adam Gaze can get away from running the screens absolutely not that's part of his playbook that's an extension of the running game it's a numbers game if Ryan Tannehill sees a look he likes he's going to snap the ball stand up throw it out there and because they have better blocking this year it's going to look a lot better than what it was last year because Devontae Parker and Kenny Stills do not want any part of blocking whereas Albert Wilson Jakeem Grant, Danny Amendola. Those guys are terrific blockers and terrific at finding holes in the zone to run through. Next question comes from Mike Gill. That's at Miami Mike 1313. Given the ho-hum performance of the secondary, should we seriously consider bringing Lifort Hobley out of retirement? I actually had to Google that name. I wasn't sure who he was. He was a former Dolphins safety back in the 80s, I believe, or 90s. Pretty older player. So uh, I don't think he's coming out anytime soon. Maybe Brock Marion, maybe Chris Clemens. I don't know what we need to do. I do want to see more of Maurice Smith back there in dime packages. I actually talked about it on the podcast yesterday. And I think Mika Fitzpatrick playing more safety helps as well. So there's reinforcements to be had on the team. Once again, all domestic, all interior stuff they can do to fix this problem in the preseason. And the last question here comes from Chris Ballard at the jeweler. Fill in the blanks. If the Dolphins blank and blank will make the playoffs, but if they blank and blank, it'll be a long season. I think that's a pretty safe assumption to go off of what I talked about the other day. If the Dolphins stop committing stupid penalties and shooting themselves in the foot, and they stop allowing huge runs on the ground game, and not even talking about like the average yards per carry, just don't allow the big back-breaking runs, then they'll make the playoffs. But if they get Ryan Tannehill hurt, or if they cannot stop the run whatsoever and the big plays continue to happen and the linebacker play does not get fixed, then it'll be a long season. So those are your two answers there. That is the Twitter mailbag. Again, another fantastic set of questions from you guys. And I got to answer this last one here that I forgot about from our good buddy Mike from Boston at Mike e, at Mike PS 78 underscore NFL. Is ketchup the most versatile condiment? If not, what is in your opinion? I posted a picture of myself going to town on some DQ chicken strips and fries with about eight little buckets of ketchup. So you are talking to Team Ketchup right here, Mike. I love ketchup. That stuff is phenomenal. But how dare you put it on a steak? Never put it on a goddamn steak. Again, Twitter mailbag, fantastic as always. You guys are great. We'll finish the podcast up on the other side here. Locked on Dolphins podcast at Winkle NFL at Locked on Fins. 
Wrapping up this Wednesday edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, I am recording on Tuesday and I am taking off tomorrow from the Oregon coast, one of my favorite places to be. We got a chance to go to the Pelican Brewing Company right up on the beach today. That was a phenomenal time drinking beers, eating good food, and just hanging out watching the sun go down behind the ocean. And also on Wednesday, so as you guys hear this today, is the softball championship, our beer league championship. I am trying my damnedest not to be the Buffalo Bills. My team has lost three consecutive league city championships, and this year we rebuilt the team Completely stacked it with studs and all-stars. So we're hoping that that changes the championship outcome this year. We went Golden State Warriors. We went and got Kevin Durant. And we're going to win the whole goddamn thing tonight. So that's going to be fun for us. We'll have you guys covered for the Baltimore game on Saturday. A lead-up, a preview episode on Friday. Look for the post-game column late in the evening on on Saturday night, Sunday morning. I like to get those out as quick as I can. But I also like to be comprehensive. And that requires a rewatch, snap counts, and personnel packaging, charting. All that stuff takes some time. So I appreciate the minor patience that I request from you guys. We are still the first ones to get podcasts and columns out for the post-game wraps. And that'll be the same story during the season. On Sunday nights, we'll have podcasts out. We'll have a column out as well. So you guys can get caught up on everything you want to know about what happened on Miami Dolphins game day. Locked on Dolphins podcast has you covered. But as for this edition of the podcast, I am going to go down to the beach. We finally have a sunny day, so I'll be hanging out on the sand and in the water. You guys have a great rest of your day. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Give me a follow on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on our daily Dolphins blog at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. I'm going to give you my love. I'm going to give you my love.